Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Um, If everyone could just very briefly stand up for one moment. This is very out of nature for me, what I'm going to ask you to do, so that's why I know it's the Lord. I want you to stomp your foot, your right foot. I want you to stomp it. One, two, three, stomp. Let's do it together. One, two, three, stomp. And then I want to tell you something, and then we'll stay standing. So, backstory, my Aunt Bev lives here. Um, my dad was a youth minister here, if you guys don't know this, um, in the apparently in the mid to late 80s at Stigler First Baptist Church. And I was born into a family that served God in the ministry. And when my parents were married for 20 years, there was a little bit of a hiccup, kind of like Naomi's story that, that Shauna referenced. And, you know, it was one of those moments of deciding, are we going to, for me as a child, am I going to kiss what has been my, my heritage or am I going to cleave to the Lord? Because th- things were just not clear. They weren't 2020 at that point to use vision. And so that's been, gosh, maybe 15 years ago. I lose, I lose track of time. And I want to tell you this, that my parents, they did ultimately get a, a divorce. Um, and so that particular situation, this side of heaven, wasn't redeemed in the way that, that, you know, maybe people prayed that it would have been. But I just want to testify to you that today my dad is in Japan and my mom is in Uganda. And I'm back in Stigler, Oklahoma, where I was conceived. Isn't that weird? Don't think about it too much. And so... And so, yes, we're different family units, but it's the gospel message going out around the world because what Satan tried to destroy, he scattered the seed of God was what he did. And so, and this isn't the sermon, we're about to get into into the real encouragement, but I feel like we have to start here. So in Genesis, after Eve has this exchange with the enemy where she eats the apple and, and the Lord comes out and prophesies and pronounces a judgment over the enemy, He says, this woman's going to carry a seed. It's talking about Jesus. It's also talking about the word in us. And yeah, you're going to bruise the heel of of mankind. So that's what Satan did to my family in that moment. He bruised our heel. But they're going to crush your head. And in Jesus, we did that. So I just want to stand up here. and, And I am just declaring this to you. This is me crushing the head of the serpent, yeah, or he tried to put an end to a very fruitful family. And I'll tell you, I have a good relationship with my mom and my dad, and all of me and my siblings walk with the Lord, because God redeemed it, and it took time. But even though one family had a hiccup, and that that season of that family came to an end. I believe this day there will be seven marriages saved in this room. Yeah. 
because when the thief is discovered, he pays sevenfold. That's what the book of Proverbs says. So I believe, ladies, that will happen because the Lord wants to impart to you some revelation about who you are that is so contagious it's going to pass to husbands. It's going to pass to children, and the dynamic of your household is going to change, and that's going to impact nations, kingdoms, generations. So I want you to think about the most discouraging thing that you're facing right now that you need vision for, that you can't see, how's this gonna, how could this possibly end well? I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just hold tight to that promise. With Jesus, we will crush the head of the serpent. And I just want you on the count of three to give me the loudest stomp with your right foot that you possibly could just as an act of faith to say one day, I will stand up in whatever situation that looks like. It doesn't have to be a stage. Most people are not ministered to from a stage. I will stand up. I will testify of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see manifest of redemption. And I will see the serpent's head crushed. So let's do some, uh, can I say that? Let's do some head crushing on the count of three. Then we'll move on. So one, two, three. Okay, all right, now we can move on. Are you guys ready? Yes. Okay, so I've never done this before in my life in the middle of a service like this, but right before Paige came to the stage, the Lord said to me, seven times restoration is not enough. So this is for all of you here. God is the multiplier. I studied that in Psalms in our study this week, that he is the multiplier and he is the harvester. And seven to him is a holy number, but a small number. He is the multiplier. He has something for every one of us here today. There is a redemption in your life in some area that he wants to bring to you today. Amen. That's Annette. Annette and, uh, and Janelle and Charlie, a friend from Durant, traveled with me. Annette and Janelle are part of our ministry team, Entourage Ministries. I'm going to tell you guys about that real briefly. My best friend, Heidi, from second grade, Helling from LaFleur County, now Sebastian County, uh, has traveled to be with us. So real quick, I'm part of something called Entourage Ministries. It's the same heartbeat of soul sisterhood. It looks a little bit different. We're located in a different place. We do a lot of different things. We gather like this once a month corporately, and then from that place, uh, uh, we go out and serve women in our community through uh, various things. Right now, we've got an online uh, Bible study uh, called March on My Soul and Strength. If any of you are wanting that you know what I'm talking about, you wanted a book and you didn't get one, I actually brought some extras with me. So find me at the end of the day and I will, I will get that to you. Um, we facilitate something called Hearts at Rest. It is an anxiety curriculum that Annette and I will be teaching the breakout on. And my mom just texted me. She was in... Um, in Uganda teaching hearts at rest today and told me that she got to love on a young girl that told me that told her she'd prostituted herself out as a child to help take care of her four younger brothers and she just needed someone to love on her and tell her you are you are clothed in the righteous robe of Jesus. And so the gospel is global. It's on the move and you guys have a role to play in this. And coming into this, this is a word that I've not I've I've been chewing on it since of January 22nd at 2 a.m. 
I have an infant, a four-month-old. My kids, none of them like to sleep at night. And so I'm up a lot. If you saw me coming in like with a suitcase, it's because I have all my pumping gear here to survive being away this many hours. So the Lord often speaks to me in the middle of the night when, when I'm awake with my infant. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you what he said, but it's so perfect for this because as I came into this room, I remembered part of the beautiful culture of Stigler. It's a, it's, I don't know, all of you are from Stigler, but this is being hosted in Stigler. Your ladies are classy and they're a little bit glitzy and glamoury. And I remember about my Aunt Bev that she was the first person that I knew that had fake fingernails. Sorry. And, and as a child, I just thought, she is the coolest person in the world. And sorry, I bet she had a tanning bed in her house for a little bit. And as, as a little kid, I, would, I couldn't wait to go over and lay in it for five minutes and put a little sticker on to see if it might give me a tan. And I spent many five-minute segments in that tanning bed. And my cousin had Doc Martin shoes. They were a big deal. And so as I think about all these things, it's taken me back to this, this beauty dynamic of Stiegler culture. And so even though we kind of went a little bit Deborah and a little bit JL, the lady in Deborah's this is in the book of Judges that I'm referencing a woman that takes out a, a bad guy with a, a tent peg. Literally, she takes it out and she drives it through his head. We went a little bit into that vein. I just want to say that I recognize the beauty of the Esther vein that exists here. So we've got the Lord loves the ladies that operate in, in the beauty and in the glam. And then he loves the ladies that identify more as being nurturers like Mary. And then he loves the ladies that identify more as... as crushing serpents' heads. And hey, you can do that with a high heel on. That's just fine. So we're going to cover a little bit of that ground today. But I remembered I spent some time in Africa. I have not thought about this in, in years. Um, and someone from Stigler through my Aunt Bev sent me like a hundred fingernail polish bottles. Uh, do you remember this, Aunt Bev? No, it's true. I promise. Who probably, whoever Someone had a bunch of like OPI bottles and they were half empty and they thought maybe all these little girls would like them. And I've not thought about that in years, but a, some woman from Stigler, Oklahoma sent like a hundred nail polish bottles to, to make some little Malawian girls feel lovely. And so thank you, Stigler, for just walking in the identity of you. So the Lord spoke this phrase to me and this is the phrase, Ruby Battlements. Battlements of Ruby, Ruby Battlements. And it was two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, what? And when I say the Lord spoke to me, I mean, he speaks to you too. When you hide the word of God in your heart, it is made, it's seed. So it's made to come alive. So if you turn your ear to listen, you will hear it pop up at these random times. And so it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, I do recognize this as scripture. I've read this before, but I don't know where it is. And I don't know what it means. So the next morning, I went to look it up. And actually, it's a translation I don't even read. Not saying God speaks that translation. But he quickened something in me that had been built in at some level. And it's in Isaiah 54. I'm going to read the entirety of Isaiah 54 over us. And then we're going to spend the rest of our time diving into what it looks like to be a ruby battlement. And um, yeah, so Isaiah 54. I'm reading from the NIV version at this time. And just listen to this. There may be something life-changing in this passage for you if you're not well acquainted with it. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song and shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the women of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge 
the place of your tent and stretch your tent curtains wide and do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. This is a prophecy from the book of Isaiah, but it's speaking about Zion. It's speaking about the glory of the future church after Jesus has come to establish the kingdom of heaven and gone back back to heaven until he comes again. So it's speaking to what we are part of today. I just, even though it's in the Old Testament, it's talking about us today, the glory of the church. Verse four, don't be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you. This is speaking of Babylonian uh, captivity and exile. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord. To me, this is like the days of Noah. Everyone say days of Noah. When I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I've sworn not to be angry with you. He's previewing um, not only the glory of the future church, but this thing called the new covenant. It's the rules that it's the agreement, the marriage that we are in, the betrothal that we were we are in. We could say that. Um, so the Lord is saying, I will not be angry with you, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. Mountains and hills just represent significant and powerful things. How many of you have had something significant removed in your life, yet the steadfast of the Lord, love of the Lord will not be removed? Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis, Luzili, I don't know how to say that. And there's a lot of variations to different interpretations in these stones that I'm reading. Verse 12, I will make your battlements of rubies. Everyone say battlements of rubies. Your gates of sparkling jewels and all your walls of precious stones and all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. In righteousness, you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed and it will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. God is not a God of torment. That's the enemy. You're in torment. That's not the Lord. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon formed against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that rises against you. Remember when we stomped? That's refuting. We will live and not die. Our generations will know the Lord and walk with the Lord. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. In the next few minutes, I may open my Bible to certain passages or I may just reference them. So I'm going to tell you where I may hop in and out of. That was Isaiah 54, Genesis 5 through 7, Proverbs 31, 
maybe Joshua 5, Matthew 6, Revelation 4. If you have any questions after about something soundness or accuracy, I would love to, to, um, to talk about it. But I'm just going to let the Lord bring it up as he wants to. So, battlements of Ruby. What is a battlement? Can anyone tell me what a battlement is? Anybody? If I have the photo in the back, could you go ahead and put that up? Okay. A battlement is, if you picture this window, it's a window. If you look up the, the translation Hebrew, battlement means window. So um, take that for, for whatever it's worth. We're going to keep this here as a visual. And of course, when the Lord first spoke that to my spirit, battlements of Ruby, I thought of Proverbs 31. Everyone, a lot of people know that from women's ministry culture. Um, some translation says, a noble wife who can find she is worth more than rubies. Other translations would just say, and this is how these translate. You can look, look it up in Hebrew. A woman, because virtue is trans, uh, noble, virtue, valor, strength, army, all the same word. So a woman with the strength of an army, who can find her? She's like rubies, okay? And so if we understand in Proverbs 31 also that it's painting perhaps a picture of the glorious bride of Christ, the same glory of the church that's being talked about in Isaiah 54, it makes things come to life a little bit. So 2 a.m., January 22nd, the Lord says, battlements of Ruby. And that day we were having a hair day at, uh, we have a, a little old chapel and a little ministry house and everything just like any woman's life is halfway under construction, half finished, half not finished. And we're just in grace operating in the middle of everything. And we have one of our hair days that day and they're so special. Uh, we have, women can make appointments and kids and they come in and, and they get their hair cut and washed and styled. And then we have a nice boutique like a Stigler women's style boutique. Like the clothes have to be nice. They have to be uh, trendy. My Aunt Bev's even sent me some pretty earrings um, from here that um, have made it to the boutique. And, and it's like a sister swap. We just clothe, we clothe women. And, and, um, and it's a special time of ministry because we have a captive audience during that period of time. And our hairdresser is just gifted in mercy, gifted in healing. And so she's just brushing their hair, washing their hair, and she's just interceding for them the whole time. And they're special, special hidden days. And, and so, so I look at battlement and I see this picture of like a, a castle and, and these window openings, battlements of rubies. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I get it. When we read things that give physical examples, sometimes we can be single-minded or narrow-minded and read it picturing that he's talking about a big old castle with these stones stuck all over it. Maybe he was. But I think when you follow a thread of Scripture, and I think when you look at the consistency and the prophecy of what the glorious church is like, this new church that we're part of in the new covenant, Christ's church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, he builds with people. He himself is the cornerstone, correct? So, so I'm like, Lord, you will make battlements of rubies. I'm like, I get it. That's how we are supposed to operate as a ministry. We are like windows. 
and uh, rubies representing the woman, the strength in the heart of a woman, and battlements being like windows that serve these multifaceted purposes. One being letting those on the outside get a glimpse of something on the inside. This, this reality that if I'm like a window, well, one, my job is just simply to abide and be, and it's to let the kingdom of heaven shine out of my life so that others might see the light, because we can all agree on that. We're the city on the hill. We're the light of the world that takes many forms and manifestations and how the Lord delivers it. But what if in this season, he wants to put a special touch telling us you are battlements of rubies. And so I've been tuning on this since it's so good to get to talk this out with you guys. Like um, the Lord and I have been going back and forth on this for a long time. So January 22nd. And so I've thought all these things, Lord, that's so fascinating um, because as a window, people could look into my life and, and they could see the kingdom, hopefully, if I'm operating in that revelation. Or if I'm a window like high up in a castle, then I can see the people that are really trying to make their way to the kingdom. Like they're trying, but they're stumbling and they're far off and and because in, in a battlement in this traditional sense, you would be highly elevated. So you would just have a vision and a perspective um, that is beyond ground level. And so I'm like, Lord, not only can like we let the light of the kingdom out if we're a window, we can see our sisters trying to come in and we can be calling them in like, keep coming toward the light. Lord, we cancel that assignment of the enemy that we see coming at this sister over here. We call it off in the name of Jesus. And so... You smell what I'm stepping in. The Lord's just like unfolding all of this revelation in my heart about how as the body of, of Christ, as, as the temple of Christ, as the bride of Christ, we get this beautiful chance to be ruby battlements, to be his windows. And so what does that have to do with the vision? Two things. And, and these are my goals that we're going to um, land on in a little bit. If you don't understand your role in the body of Christ, that you have a part to play, not because you have to, not in a guilt way, but because there, there's a whole world of people outside of your window that the Lord is like, let me open your window up so I can just shine straight through to you. If you don't understand how important it is, I want you to understand that by the end of now, this, this session. And then for those who are on the outside looking in at the kingdom of light, I want to invite you into it. And then I want you to line up next to me, be battlement over here to my right, fortification over here to my left. So I'm like, Lord, let's talk more about windows. And so he took me back to Genesis. Law of first mention is a fun concept. Where does the Bible talk about something for the very first time and what can you learn about it? So Noah Noah and the ark. This is where, in this narrative, we learn about windows. And windows are mentioned twice in that story. First, when the Lord has decided, I've got to create something new because of the wickedness that exists in the days of Noah. Remember, we said days of Noah. And so he, he sees one man, one man, um, who's righteous, or he, and he's going to show favor and grace to him. And he gives him instructions about how to build the ark, and of course, in that ark, we know there's a window. 
And, and so the Lord says, I'm going to open up windows of heaven to let the water come down. So just table that on your spiritual shelf. We'll come back to it. So everyone taunts Noah during the construction of this. We know this story. The word comes true, what the Lord says. Noah and his family get on the ark, and they go about their time in this period of flooding. And the Lord um, instructs Noah to, to send out a couple of birds, first, uh, first being a raven, uh, to see if they can find evidence of life outside that window. It says that the raven found nowhere to rest its, nowhere to rest its foot, no sign, of, no sign of life. But then there's a dove, okay? And Noah sends out a dove. In Scripture, we know that the dove represents the Holy Spirit, right? That's what come and landed on Jesus. That Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Father God are throughout the, 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 the whole seam of Scripture. If we just will have eyes to see them in all the different patches. And so Noah sends out this dove from this window. And it goes and it brings back an olive leaf, which is representative of other things as well. And it, and it tells Noah, it imparts to Noah, there is life beyond this window. The Lord allowed the Holy Spirit to bring this fruit of an olive leaf right up to this window. He brought it right to the window to give Noah everything that he needed to then get out of that boat, get into a covenant with the Lord, be blessed, be fruitful, be multiplied so that God might continue to, to create a lineage to bring Jesus out of. And so that story fascinates me, one, because um, an olive, I mean, all of creation got wiped out. God said that I'm creating something new. And it wasn't, I mean, it was a long time there on the ship, but not long enough for a brand new tree to be planted to then be bearing fruit that quickly. So this dove, we'll say symbolic of the Holy Spirit, comes to this window and brings supernatural fruit that says there's life on the outside. On the other side, there's life. Keep looking out the window. Keep looking out the window. And then the Lord ultimately gives the command, okay, Noah, I asked you to come in. I'm going to ask you to go out. And so I just want to share that in saying, what does that look like? What does Noah's window look like? And the Holy Spirit bringing fruit, supernatural fruit to that window to tell people on the inside of that ark, there's more ahead beyond where you're at right now. You know, salvation in Christ in this life is like being in the ark. We're safe. We're well cared for. We're, we're eternally safe. Let me clarify, we're eternally safe. We're well, well, well cared for. But we live with this reality that there's something beyond the window. And because the Holy Spirit in the new covenant, not Noah's covenant, but the new covenant, he doesn't just come rest on a window. He comes in and rests on us. And he brings this fruit that's supernatural, that doesn't make sense. We couldn't produce it on our own. There's not the condition in our hearts and our lives to produce it without him. And so we're in this interesting predicament in this new covenant as God builds his church and shines his light forth from Zion, his dwelling place, our lives, that we get the opportunity 
to just be a window, to be in the current reality of where everyone else is right now, but to have a greater truth shining out from our lights, I mean, our lives in light, in fruit, in depth, in richness, in love. So what does it look like to be a Ruby Battleman? How do you stir up that vision about yourself? I honestly think it's about one of the most relieving things you could possibly hear as a woman because a window, once it's in place, guess what it does? Nothing. <laughs> Not, I mean, I, I don't mean that it, it's a vessel. The, the Lord, just like he gave Noah a design for the ark, the windows didn't move once they were in place. They served their purpose to let that people know there's life outside of the boat to bring air in to the ark, wind, pneuma, it's all, it's all representative of the Holy Spirit. So someone right now, I just want to tell you, you need, you need to be released from the lie that you have to work to earn Jesus' love. Jesus has a template like an ark for you that's going to carry you through everything that you need. And Jesus is going to bring other people into your life to be the windows, to open up. But I would, I would challenge you that today is the day to just to shift into knowing that he's made you to be the window for the place that you're in, the season that you're in, and he's ready for you to be that for other people. But being a window is like abiding in John 15, where it talks about those who remain in me bear, bear much fruit. If he is the head of all things, then as Ruby Battlements, we are just part of him. We are just simply existing in surrender, testifying of something greater simply in our existence, letting him bring what he wants to the window. Maybe I'm going to operate in some spiritual gift I've not operated in before. That's his choice. If he wants to bring it to the window and I'm surrendered, that's up to him. Oh, Lord, what if you give me a prophetic word for someone and I don't know what to do with it? You're just a window. Just let the fruit come up and let it go out. Oh, Lord, you're asking me to forgive and I don't know if I can do it. Forgiveness is going to come from the gift and the fruit of love. Just be a window. Let him bring it up and then just let it out. Shauna talked about uh, Naomi and Ruth, and I had a feeling, I tried not to go here, but we're going to have to go here, because I think that if we can understand what it looks like to be a window woman, <laughs> uh, battlements of rubies, to be a ruby battlement, I have to go back to her story. So in the dialogue that she explained, this woman named Naomi talking to Orpha and Ruth, in the word... Naomi says, when they're deciding about who's going to go, who's going to stay, she said, if I had any hope at all that you um, could, could marry my sons, it would be years for that to happen. I've lost my hope. She basically says that. And so if you look at that word hope in Hebrew, excuse me, it says, it, it's, it's called a cord. And um, if you're at Hope Now, I shared on this a little bit. But yes, Ruth is David's grandma because she ends up marrying Boaz at the end of the story. 
but in a place where Naomi had completely lost her hope and had no visibility of of life um, as she was returning to the city of bread, to Bethlehem, there was a woman a generation before her that chose to let hope hang out of her window. And when she chose to let hope hang out of her window, a guy named Boaz was born. Boaz, who becomes the redeemer for Ruth and Naomi in the situation and the lineage of David and the lineage of Jesus all in the same story. Battlements of Ruby. If you know the story of Rahab, it's a scarlet, ruby-colored red cord, and it's just, it's in the window. She's a prostitute. She's, she's like Ruth in the sense she's not among God's people. She senses that God, just like Ruth, she senses that God is the real deal. And his, and his people are on the move. The Israelites are on the move into promise. And she knows everything that is not of the Lord, it's about to get wiped out. And I want to be counted among the living. I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so she gives cover to some spies as they're deciding how they're going to come in and occupy this promise of Canaan and Jericho. And they say, take this red cord. We could call that hope. Same translation. Put it in your window. And when we come in, we will know that you and your household are to be saved. And just like with Noah, the word of the Lord was true and it was faithful. But because a woman chose to let hope hang out of her window, our Savior came out of that. Ruth got redemption in, through Boaz because of that. That's pretty cool, huh? Windows are a lot of fun if you start diving into them, diving into them. So in the story of Noah, we read that the Lord opened the windows of heaven to let the waters flood out. In Malachi, we see a different picture of windows where the Lord, in the context of giving, says, why don't you bring me an offering and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out and bless you. So we know from the word that great waters, healing waters, refreshing waters. Yeah, well, in the time of Noah, the, the waters that came brought a judgment. When we are in Christ, the judgment is that we are a new creation. And the living waters that come through our windows are from the river of life, the streams of Zion that make glad the heart of God. So, if you get this revelation about yourself as a window, what are the things that God might want to pour out your window into the life of others just as you are where you're at in your everyday situation? Does he want to pour waters of refreshment into your coworker? Does he want to pour waters of refreshment into the foster care parents that are, are tired and need that respite? And then let's look at Malachi and let's talk about blessing and prosperity as a window, if the Lord wants to use you as an instrument to bless the socks off of other people, are you open to him doing that? What if, he, what if he does want to bless you materially so that you might just pass it on? Are you open to that? Or are you telling the Lord what he's allowed to bring to your window and what he's not? Because we see in the word, he's brought hope to windows. He's brought water to windows. He's brought prosperity and blessing to windows. And there's an interesting scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 6 where it says that our eyes are like the window to our soul. 
And if the light that is in us, I'm paraphrasing, if the light that is in us is visible, then how great is that light? So when I'm talking to you figuratively, and thank you for hanging with me as we're kind of weaving in and out of scripture and concept, sometimes being a window is just looking someone in the eyes and letting them see the light of life inside of you. You know, in the next verse, I think Matthew 6, 23, it explains the person with healthy vision that has that good light is the one that has single vision. Windows have single vision because once they're in place, they don't move. They serve their purpose. Let the waters out. Let the blessing out. Let the air and the wind out. Let the light out. Let the fruit in. Be willing to stand between what is now and what is to come and engage in the fight simply by letting the Lord bring to the window of your life whatever it is he wants to bring. I want to go back to Isaiah 54 briefly and read that part. This is Isaiah 54. And again, there's a lot of variations to how these stones are translated. It's a really interesting thing to dive into. It tells me and affirms to me that it wasn't something that was ordinary, that was probably being seen by the prophet as he was um, writing down or orating the word of the Lord coming to him. This is verse 10, Isaiah 54. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Afflicted city, afflicted city, Zion, you're the city of God, sisters. We're the city of God. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted. I will rebuild you. The Lord's saying that today to you. I will rebuild you. And when I rebuild you, all of us, he's not building us just to go stand alone. A window would do absolutely no good if it was just hanging off of a tree in open air. He builds us as part of his dwelling place as the bride of Christ. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with that word that's hard for me to say. We'll just say sapphire. Some translations say sapphire. I will make your battlements of ruby and your gates of sparkling jewels or carbuncles. Some of you may see that word carbuncles. Carbuncle is a jewel that looks, it looks kind of red. But when you put it up against the light of the sun, it looks just like a flame. Isn't that something? We're talking about windows today. But what if the gates are our hearts? What if we could see in the spiritual what our hearts looked like, our red beating hearts that illuminated with the light of the Lord, they look like a flame set on fire just for him? What if every part of our lives is part of this beautiful tapestry of jewels that's described in the glory of Christ's church that we are part of? In Revelation 4, John kind of describes some scenery from the throne room of heaven. One of the words used to describe it is sapphire, kind of like that I just read of. And it, and it talks about um, a rainbow 
that surrounds the throne. And it talks about some other jewels and these different things. And of course, when we think back to Noah, we remember God established his covenant with Noah through a rainbow, right? He put it in the sky so they could remember those beautiful colors from his throne room. But what if in Isaiah 54, the Lord is saying as he's describing the church, I'm putting the colors of my throne room on my people, the turquoise, the rubies, the carbuncles, the sapphires, that while my people journey on a pilgrimage in an ark in this lifetime, people are seeing something that testifies of the throne room of God as they live their life. Hmm. Shauna, for your ministry team, ladies, I would like to ask them to, um, to stand in, the, in between the aisles um, and wherever they want to do that. But instead of standing at the front, I'd like them to stand in the middle of the aisles. And um, if the worship team wants to come up, we're going to go into a time of response and try to connect these dots. Actually, we're not going to try to do anything. I'm just a window. I'm just here bringing the word that the Lord put on my heart to share with you. As the worship team begins to play, I'm going to go back to what I told you in the beginning my goal was. One, for you to have a revelation about who you are in the body of Christ. For you to have a revelation that you carry what looks like the throne room of heaven to the world around you. A heart that's like carbuncle. You know, gates often represent, represent hearts, right? They're access points. Lord, Lord, in this moment, may our hearts be like carbuncles, the red beating hearts in our bodies. God, may we just come up against you, a son of righteousness with healing in your wings. And may we just have a revelation that they're flames, they're flames of fire. That you lit a long time ago. The first part of, of this goes back to Isaiah 54, where he's speaking to a city, city of Zion, bride of Christ, temple. This is synonymous, synonymous language different phrases, same thing. But ladies, you're part of the city of God. You were part of Zion, his dwelling place. Someday it will be eternally established, but it exists now. When Jesus came, the kingdom of light began to invade darkness. The kingdom of heaven was established on this earth. We live in the reality of two kingdoms. But which one do we identify as being part of? Like a window, I'm so sold out to spending my life letting the light of that kingdom shine through. Some of you in here think you're not worthy, that God does not want to use you that way. Yet he just said, you've been afflicted. You've been storm-tossed. You've been without comfort, but I want to rebuild you. And I want to rebuild you in this beautiful way that I just described. So 
So I wanna give you and the Lord a minute and I'm gonna let them sing over us. And the reason I've asked these ladies to stand in the middle is because they're windows right now. How often before we go to the front door, do we gauge with a window? Is the light on? Is there someone awake in that house? Or we look in to see if something's okay? Or we want someone to go through the door with us? These ladies are ruby embattlements, especially Shauna with her reddish colored hair. And they're gonna meet you halfway because God's heart towards you is kindness and steadfast love. But you have to be willing to let him rebuild you. So before we go on with the second part of this, this is for you to acknowledge that you need some rebuilding. That may be salvation in Christ the first time that you've never placed your trust in Christ, which is as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord, acknowledging that He is the Son of God, that He is the only way that you will be made righteous and spend eternity in the way that you were designed to spend eternity. They can take you through that. But in this hour, it's a call to maturity in the body of Christ. And before we have revelation about what it looks like to be part of something corporate and part of something global, we need a personal revelation that we have been rebuilt. So ladies, sing as you are led, whatever you have prepared, a course, and give our sisters a time to respond. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 